Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. How you doing out there today? Welcome to One Cause Church. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I understand that you drove by one or two churches on the way here. I'm glad you kept going until you made it to us. Thank you for being here. <laughs> but um, I'm grateful to God for this gathering and um, all of you. We, you know, this is an incredible thing that God has designed and created um, for people to come together in one place. The church is, is, a, is a miracle in and of itself, but it's, it's the opportunity. This, the gathering is the opportunity for us to experience not only the rich fellowship of what it means to be in God's family, but also the potential for anything to happen in the spirit, the, the supernatural um, interventions into our, the natural course of our life. And that's what God is um, willing to do. He's willing to be that for us. He's, that's why we claim him as our healer, as our provider. And that is that source that's beyond the resources of this world. I'm grateful to God to be yeah. connected to him, to be loved by him, to be yeah. one with him in the spirit. Because in that reality, and we know that reality by faith in him. You know, we know the, the reality of the world by the senses that God has given us in this body, but we know the realm of God by the sense of faith. Yeah. And um, it is our, our access to everything God has for us. I think it's Romans yeah. chapter 5 that says that through whom, talking about Jesus, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we also understand that we walk by faith, but we stand in grace. Isn't that a powerful thought? Huh? Say this with me. Grace is my place. And faith is my pace. Right? We walk by faith. We stand in grace. Isn't that beautiful? And, this, and there's, that's, where, that's where the miracles are known. That's where the supernatural is, is, is really realized. Because the scripture says that by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? By grace you are saved through faith. So faith is something that we have offered up in believing God and receiving from God. And grace is what he gives to us. And when grace meets faith, that's where the power is. That's where that glory is. That's where the supernatural possibilities all are there. And that's why we continue to walk by faith so that we can continue to stand in grace. Amen. So you are part of something powerful when you're part of the church, when you're yeah. a member of the body of Christ. And it's not just a member in a physical building, but as a member of his body. What a powerful thing. All right, let's go to Psalms chapter 51, verse 12. Today, I want to talk to you the next few minutes on the spirit of generosity. The spirit of generosity. And Psalms chapter 51 is, uh, well, it's a pretty, well, it's a very raw and open kind of chapter because this is where David is is crying out to God in the midst of his sin. And he is, well, he's jacked up his situation really bad. And um, now he is turning to God and asking a few things from him. One of those things is to create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
um, because David realized what that was like apart from life apart from the Spirit and God's influence in his life was wretched. He didn't want anything to do with that. And so then he comes to this verse in verse 12, and he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. See, the one thing that David knew about God, and even though David did not have the same reality that you and I have today, the same experience with God that you and I have today. See, our experience is one that is lasting. Our experience is one that is every day. Our experience is one that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The spirit of the living God lives on us, and the scripture calls us the temples of the Holy Ghost. You look good today, temples. You know, you are a temple. You are a temple. You are housing the very Spirit of God. David didn't have that reality. As great as a man David was, and, and God used him in mighty ways, and he had a heart after God, but he was still an unredeemed man because Christ had not yet come to die for our sins. Yeah. So they had these experiences with the Spirit. And when you read the Old Testament, you, you'll read this, you'll see this phrase from time to time, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Right? Uh, you, especially in the life of Samson, and he tore a lion apart as one would a young goat, or he picked up the gates of the city and walked off with. I mean, people did great things in, in battles and, and to, to secure victories for Israel, just amazing feats of strength. All those kinds of things happened because the Spirit of God came upon them. And so now David is in this place where that, he's not in that reality at the moment. He senses the absence of the Spirit. And, and, he, and, he, and he's only left there with his own sin, with his own failure and, and the consequences of that and the heaviness and the guilt and the shame of it. And then he calls out, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. One thing that David did know about God is that when you turn to him, he's there. Every time in his experience, when he turned to God, he was there no matter what had been going on in his life. Because God just kept giving God just kept giving. God just kept giving. Uphold me by your generous spirit. See, that's the thing about generosity. Generosity is a flow in life. It's not necessarily a, a reaction to something or even a response. It can be a response, but really it's just more the flow. The spirit of generosity is just a flow in life. And see, as a child of God, you and I being now made like him, in the Spirit, the Scripture says, we are one with the Lord. He who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. But being joined to the Lord means that we get His nature. We get His desires. We get His wants. See, you want to do the right thing. You know, when you screw up, when you fail, you sin, there's something that happens, right? You don't feel very good about it. Am I talking to the right church? Amen. If you feel good about it, we can talk about that later. But if, if you... If you you, you, you kind of have this kind of grief that happens. This, and see, that, wouldn't, that, that would not be there if you didn't have the right desire in your heart. Yeah. You wouldn't care if you weren't doing the right thing or doing the right thing because who cares? But now that the Spirit of God is in you and you are one with God and now you have His nature, anything that goes against that nature is grievous. Yeah. You know, it hurts us. And we don't like to be in that place. And so David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, he needed God to do that. He needed God to restore that joy. But here's the thing. Because you have that joy in you all the time, it's really on you and I to be aware and to activate that joy in our lives. Because 
it's all done. The work is finished. The restoring, the reconciling, the healing, the delivering is already done. And now we access all of that by faith in God. We access all that good part of God, every good thing that he has coming to us and for us. These gifts, the generosity comes by our activation in it by faith. And I love this. The thing about this, this salvation that has come to us, I mean, what a generous God. Right? What a generous God. Because there are things, and you can, you can really, you see it in people's lives. Not that we're necessarily looking to, for the wrong things, but people just kind of tell on themselves over time, especially as you know them. Right? We all tell on ourselves. But you can tell the generous people versus the hesitant ones. Right? They're not so... Nothing... I think... I, I kind of would like to think I'm a generous person. I would hope that I would come across that way. But my generosity has limitations, especially when it comes to my family, right? And we've talked about this before, but I want you to just, we need to kind of grasp, not kind of, we really need to grasp the measure of this, the, the magnitude of this, that how many of you have kids here? Yeah. All right. Would you give any of them up, like if the choice was yours, for them to die to save somebody else's life, would you do that? I haven't met, I haven't met a human being yet that would be willing to do that. But what if, it, what if that sacrifice rescued the entire city you live in? Either your child dies or everybody else around you dies. Everybody else is going to die, aren't they? You're not giving up your child. You're not doing it. You're generous until that. But God so loved that he generously gave what we would never give. He gave his only son. He didn't have three kids. He had one. He gave everything that he had when he gave us Jesus. And not only that, not only that, but God was really putting his love and his gift on the line. Because another truth about this love and about this gift is that all of that was aimed toward us, but we had to choose it. It wasn't an automatic. Because God gave us this beautiful gift called choice. Right? So think of the risk, the risk he was taking to lay it all on the line, hoping somebody would choose him, hoping somebody would choose to believe, choose to receive this generous gift called eternal life. That's incredible to me. Now, that's a generosity that I'm still in awe of. But it also challenges me. Let me give a better word. It inspires me. To be a generous person. What else? What greater expression could we give in gratitude than to in turn be generous to others? Because he's been so generous to us. See, this salvation isn't just a one-time experience. It is, you've been brought into something that keeps giving, keeps giving, keeps giving. And that gift, this generous gift, means that you keep being free. 
the deliverance just keeps happening, keeps happening. Your provision keeps coming, keeps coming. Huh? Forgiveness is there. It just, it stays intact because this salvation is generous. It's a flow. It just keeps coming from the heart of God, keeps giving it to us. Because he believes that what his son did for us was everything. Was everything to bringing us into a right relationship with him. Not for a moment, not just for our time on earth, but forever. Yeah. What, what a generous God. Yeah. I want us to look down at, um, let's go to Romans chapter 5 for a moment, verse 8. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does this say about the love of God and the generosity of God? It's unconditional. He, he wasn't even waiting for us to look to him. He gave it to us even while we were still sinners. Later on in this chapter, it says while we were enemies with God. So it's not just people who are weak in sin and people who are lost in sin. It's people who are defiant, right? Rebels against God. Still loved us, still demonstrated his love, still gave the greatest gift. Watch this, verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood. Justified simply means just as if I had never sinned. <laughs> All right? Justified by his blood, we shall, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So you see the future, right? What's the future? What's your future? Your future is one without the wrath of God, which means he won't ever be angry with you. Now, you ever felt like he was, though? You ever felt like God was angry with you? Mm-hmm. See, what you were, what you, what you were kind of missing out on and misinterpreting was that you were angry at yourself, right? And you took that, well, if I feel that way, then that's God, God, that God feels that way. No, God doesn't feel that way. He got over his anger toward our sin. Jesus really did bear the full punishment. If he didn't and God's still angry, then God's not just. Then he's not right. Then he can't be trusted. Oh, but he can be trusted and he is right. And the scripture says in, in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 54, you know, 53 is, is a chapter about Jesus. It's what they call a messianic chapter where it talks about the suffering servant. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed, right? But 54 opens up as a response or as a result of 53. And it starts talking about break forth into singing, break forth into joy, right? This day is a whole new era has come, a whole new covenant, a whole new experience. Amen. The, 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 the slate has been wiped clean. All the sins have been taken away. God has reconciled us to himself. And so he starts talking about what that looks like. Those who are barren, rejoice because you're about to be really fruitful. Those who are lacking, hey, get ready because prosperity is coming into your life. Those who are crippled, those who are lame, get ready. Strength is coming to your body. All right? And I mean, it's just over and over again. And then one of the things that he says right in the middle, Isaiah 54, long verse 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere. <laughs> just maybe. Hopefully I landed on it somewhere. 
it says this, this is as the waters of Noah to me. You got to know what the this is. This is as the waters of Noah to me, as I have sworn that I will no longer cover the earth with a flood. So have I sworn I will not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Well, what is it that's like the waters of Noah? Hey, not all right. That, the water, that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. What was he talking about? What is the this? Chapter 53, that Jesus Christ became sin for us. Right? The Lord laid on him the iniquity of all of us. That is, a judgment has come and the sentence has been carried out. Therefore, God is satisfied. This is like the waters of Noah. How many of you believe that there will be another flood someday? An, an all-encompassing, cataclysmic, global flood. Anybody believe that's going to happen? Why don't you believe that that's going to happen? Because he said he wouldn't. Well, he said, this is like the waters of Noah. If you believe that, then you also need to believe that I won't be angry with you. Woo! That's a good moment to just take a deep breath. Just as sure as you know it's not going to flood, you know God's not going to be angry with you. Ever. Ever. Ever! Hallelujah! So if he's not angry with you, what is he? I think he's pretty happy. I think he's pretty happy with you because we'll be saved from wrath through him. This isn't just God going, well, I said I wouldn't be angry, but all right, I'll tolerate you. See, he didn't act like us. Thank God. <laughs> we shall be saved from wrath. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Are you all right out there? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Paul's talking to the church in a place called, uh, however you want to say it, Thessalonica, Thessalonica. And he's talking to them about they had come out of their pagan practices. And now they've turned from those things that they once held as sacred from those idols. And now they've come to the true living God. And watch this. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, watch this, who delivers us from wrath to come. Now, we see that shall be delivered from Romans, but this says he delivers us from wrath to come. My dad's version of the Bible, which he says is the translation, the King James. He tells me I read out of the Toys R Us version of the Bible. The King James Bible. I do like the way the King James reads it, though. It says, who delivered us from the wrath to come. That means the work is finished. It's done. All right, so let's catch the, the magnitude of this for just a moment. This generous God. Watch this. This deliverance is not only a deliverance from the consequences for the wrong things that we've done, the failures, but this ensures that we are delivered from the consequences for what's ahead. Whoa. I didn't write this. 
Sure am glad I found it, though. Yeah. I sure am glad to see that it's clear in the Scriptures. Now, this is where some of my friends kind of, they bust a spring, right? They say things like, now you're slipping off into that greasy grace message. You can't be, you can't be talking about, you can't, you can't do that because uh, uh, the people, just, you're just giving them a license to sin. No, on the contrary, my friend. Preaching rules gives people a license to sin. Preaching grace causes them to overcome. One verse of scripture, Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law. In other words, you're not under rules, but under grace. Grace is what puts you on top because it's a gift from God. And God will not allow us to perform for it. He will not allow us to do that. His is the kingdom, His is the power, His is the glory. His is the salvation so that we continually just stand in awe of this generous God. God, I don't know why he's so good, but I sure am glad he is. Just keeps giving. It's this generosity just keeps flowing out, just keeps flowing out. As a child of God, it is in your nature now to be generous. And that's why we have to walk by faith to really get this revelation of generosity so that we live our lives in that flow. Because it's not, it's, not a, it's not a striving and it's not a driving thing. It's a flow. Remember this. Everything about God and our reality in Him is a rest. It's a rest. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your life flow generosity. One of the most generous people that I know is my wife. Because... Coming this August, it'll be 25 years. I'd say she's really generous to stick it out with me <laughs> through all these years. But she's one of the most giving people I've ever met. To her own hurt, um, she, just, she just gives. She just gives. And she gets taken advantage of. How many of you got kids in here? You know what it's like to be taken advantage of, right? For, <laughs> for your giving, for your services, and for your parenting, right? But... That's one thing that has inspired me is watching her, no matter who it is, she doesn't measure uh, the recipient of the gift. She just, she just gives all the time, no matter who it is, whether she knows them well or whether she doesn't know them well. And um, so I, I'm definitely challenged and inspired by that, just in her nature. She's in that flow all the time. So I want to I encourage you, I want to encourage you to get in the flow, because it's, like I said, this is not something that you, you necessarily have to struggle with. It's just believing. It's just release, a release, really. Because anything that, we don't want anything stopping that flow. We don't want anything standing between us and our God. Because from his side, nothing's standing between us. But, you know, we can put blockers up. And one of those blockers is just the love of money. Hmm? The, the begrudging obligation to give. Yeah. Giving with a sour face. Begrudging obligation. When really, generosity turns all that around to a glorious obsession. From a grudging obligation to a glorious obsession. 
I want to read some more scriptures to you, and then we'll finish up. All right? You all right? Amen. Tell somebody next to you, you look incredible today. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Hey, you got to be generous. <laughs> be generous. Amen. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. Now, my financial advisor would, would tell me not to pay any attention to what I just read. <laughs> right? There's one who scatters, yet increases more. It seems kind of reckless. You'll go into poverty, but this says increase more. The kingdom of God is so different. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. In other words, the more you hold on to, the more you lose. Next, verse 25. The generous soul. Everybody say the generous soul. Will be made what? There's the the result. The generous soul. And it's a contradiction sometimes. It's a contradiction to the system that we live in. To give into richness when we're taught to accumulate into richness. But the scripture says the generous, the giving soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. In other words, those who help provide others, reach out to others, they themselves will in turn get what they need. All right? Let, uh, I like the message translation of this, Proverbs eleven twenty four. The world of the generous, uh, matter of fact, Kayla is the one who... Turn me on to this. Where are you, Kayla? There you are. Back there. Turn me on to this verse of Scripture. Uh, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. That's beautiful. Isn't that great logic? Now, there are a couple of things I want you to pay attention to here for a moment. And it's what the meaning of the word generous is in a few of these verses, because it kind of changes. So we, that way we can kind of get the overall picture of what it means to be generous. This word here, uh, the Hebrew root word, is it means blessing, as in the action, the verb, blessing, or liberal. All right, so we're talking about the blessing soul, somebody who is actively blessing others, the blessing soul is the one that gets rich. All right, Proverbs 22, 9 says this. He who has a generous eye, that's interesting, isn't it? a generous eye, what's he looking for? He's looking for the opportunity to give. He has a generous eye, will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. In other words, what this means is that, first of all, he pays attention to those around him, not just walking blindly through life. Their eye is open, and their eye is valuing Every person, and especially the poor, those who seem to be overlooked and forgotten. But the generous is aware and provides the need when they can. Got the generous eye. Looking out for it. That word here means, I love this, the number one definition here in this passage is for generous is gracious. Gracious. It also means good and agreeable. Agreeable means that you're agreeing with God. To do something, yeah. to give. Amen. Isaiah 32, 8, stay with me. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. What do you think the theme is in that verse? <laughs> but a generous man devises generous things. So now it's not just about, that's what I'm saying. It's, this isn't so much a reaction or response. This is something that's calculated, right? 
This is something that's calculated, that, that, that's continuing to roll over in the soul of the generous man. He's thinking about it all the time. Thinking about the opportunities. Think about what, what a great joy it is to bless others, to give to others. So he's devising these things. He's conspiring. Uh, the, the word generous here means inclined, willing, and noble. I love that. The generous person is willing. The generous person is a yes person when it comes to giving. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Lord, you can call, you can call on me. My answer is yes. I am agreeable. Amen. And this is what God loves. And this is the last scripture we're going to go to, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Even in the dictionary, just the regular old dictionary.com, generosity means a readiness or liberality in giving. But this is my favorite part of the definition. Freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character. Freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character. So a generous person isn't concerned about the risk. Is it risky? Well, I don't know. Because... This is where you're acting like God. This is where you're being a blessing to others. And you know the law of seed time and harvest, what you sow, you're going to reap. I mean, so in that, in that part, there's no risk. When you see it from that heavenly perspective, when you see it from that place of truth, you won't get caught up in trying to calculate here according to the circumstances the situation that you've come into. Not concerned about the risk, that is the exposure, uh, exposure, exposure to the chance of injury or loss. A generous person's not worried about that. They know they're coming into more. Also, a generous person isn't concerned about the recipient of their generosity. <laughs> they better appreciate what I did. They better remember this. And if they don't, you remind them. Just at the opportune moment. After what I did for you. Hmm? Now it's on the parents now, not just the kids taking advantage. Now it's on the mom and dad. That's our part usually. Right? I know they're going to just spend this on junk. Hey, hey. We're not, we're not calculating the risk nor the recipient. We're just in a generosity flow, the spirit of generosity. Also, a generous person is not concerned about the return. What's in it for me? They're not concerned about it because they know it's coming. They're not concerned about it. They're not, they're not oh gosh, I hope this works. No, they know it works. Right? So there's no concern in that. It's just giving, giving, giving. And it's confidence in God. That you as a generous person understand that you are in partnership with him. And you'll never lose in that partnership because God is on your side. That means you're on the winning team. And he's the one you're representing. So it's not measured by the size of the gift or the need, but by the heart of the giver. Period. By the heart of the giver. Last, last scripture, 2 Corinthians 9. says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Don't you love how logical the scriptures are? At times, just that helps me. Part of my education, I got it in Oklahoma, so I need verses like that to make it make sense. (laughs) He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. All right? So let each one give how? As he purposes in his heart. So you know what this means? 
your giving tells on your heart. Hmm? Give as he purposes in his heart. It, if it's sparingly, it's, or it could be sparingly, or it could be bountifully. Depending on where your heart is. And see, God is always about the heart. He's in pursuit of the heart. That's how he really knows us. Paul even told the Corinthian church, I'm testing the sincerity of your love through your giving. Wow, your love is tested by the kind of giver that you are. Let each one give as he purposes, not grudgingly or of necessity, not because we need to do something, right? No, but because there's an opportunity. God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful, cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. He loves people who are happy to give. Doesn't it do you good? Think about this. Doesn't it do you good to give? I love one thing I love about Christmas. Christmas time is the joy of watching your children open their presents. Right? Imagine what that would be like if you weren't happy about it. Right? What your kid, the kind of Christmas they would have. Here, I got this for you. It's Christmas. I guess I'm supposed to do something. Right? I mean, the, the whole experience gets robbed. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. You know what that means? He's not going to hold you to a standard he himself is not living by. Which means he's a cheerful giver. He's not tight-fisted. No, the psalm, the psalm says, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. His hands are open. I mean, when he gave us Jesus, his hands are open. Amen. That's why the angel said, peace on earth. This is amazing. Goodwill toward man. What is God doing here? Let each give one, one as he purposes. God loves a cheerful. The word cheerful means cheerful. It also means joyous. It also means prompt to do anything. Oh, man, those moments, those moments in my life that have been some of the biggest challenges are the moment when God put on my heart to give something. And I'm not talking about five bucks. I'm talking about something that was meaningful to me. And in a moment like that, sometimes it feels like God's just being mean, right? But he's not. He's not. He's actually wanting to take you into more. And if you will rise to that initial challenge to give no matter what, nothing's, I'm willing to give anything. I'm prompt to do anything for God. I'm not going to have anything standing between me and him. Because the truth is, if there is something in your life that's standing between you and him, just understand this, you don't own that thing any longer. It owns you. And God is the one who wants your heart. He's the only one that deserves it. Next, here's the deal. God loves a cheerful giver, and here's the potential that it opens you up to. This is the last verse. And God is able. What do we say here at this church? If God is able, then he's what? Then he's willing. It's not enough to know that God can. I mean, everybody knows, well, God can do anything. Yeah, okay, that's great. But here's the thing about this, about this good God. He's willing. He's telling you he's able so that you'll also understand that he's willing, that you'll believe him in that way. God is able and willing to make all grace abound towards you. That's good. That you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Look what yeah. generous giving opens you up to. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's powerful. The word sufficiency, here's what it literally means. And this is it. This is so good. This, this made me scream when I was studying this out. Sufficiency, it means a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Whoa. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Now that's, I don't know about you, but Eric Holland wants that. I want that reality in my life. Well, all of that possibility is there. All of that promise is there. All that willingness is there. And the way to it is through generous giving. Generous, joyous, happy giving. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together with your precious people. Thank you for the truth, the magnitude of this truth of our good God, our good and generous God. Your word says that you did not spare your own son, but you delivered him up for all of us. And since you did that, how will you not with him freely give us all things? If you gave us Jesus, you'll give us anything. Thank you. Thank you for that generous gift. The one that continues to astound us that you would go to that length to save us. To save us from our sins. Thank you that Christ died for our sins so that we don't have to die from our sins. And he was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Ensuring that all of us have a resurrection. Because everything he did, he did for us. Thank you, Lord. The very fact that Jesus rose from the dead is your assurance that you will too. And death is swallowed up in victory in the life that he has come to give us. Today, if you want that life, if you're here and you don't know God, you've never received him as your Lord, as your Savior, I want to invite you to know him today. I want to invite you to know him. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to help you. He has come to save you from your sins. And he wants to help you in your everyday life. And all he needs is an invitation from you. Because he's put one out to you. And today, maybe you're here and you just need to claim that reservation. Today, you need to claim your reservation and say, today, Pastor Eric, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus as my Lord. And I want to know that generous experience with God, life, and after this life, eternal life. Are you here today? Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. You want to know Jesus. You want to be saved today. Or maybe you're here today and you're just away. You're away from God. But right now, just by an acknowledgement of your hand, you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm making a decision today to stand in grace, to walk by faith, to not do it my own way, but to fully trust in Him. Are you here today and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's what I want to do today. Amen. All right, how about this? If you're here today and you need healing in your body, you're suffering with some kind of sickness or ailment, or maybe you know somebody that is, and you want to just stand in for them today, you want to slip up your hand for me. I want to pray for that today. Oh, yeah. Lord, thank you. Lord, you see. You see all these hands here in this room. You see the need. 
But Lord, you have provided a way in meeting this need. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus, you didn't leave anybody sick when you were here. And you said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know that it is your will. Because Lord, not only that, but you also allowed your body to be broken for this very purpose that these bodies would be made whole in that exchange you were wounded and they were healed so we declare in the name of Jesus that name that is above every name every infirmity every sickness every disease every pain mental and physical must be gone in the name of Jesus it has no place, it has no authority, and we say that it is leaving these bodies in the name of Jesus. And uh, there is a healing invasion right now into every tissue, every cell, every fiber of their being so that their bodies will thrive at peak proficiency according to how you created them to, to, to function and, and what you, but through what you paid for them to have in the name of Jesus. And we declare it is done because he finished the work in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here. I love you guys very much. And I'm grateful that you continue to come. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we are in, uh, we're walking through the Gospels. Remember, in a chronological um, order of, of the life of Jesus. So sometimes we're kind of, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels because they share a lot of the same stories. But then John is also the other one. So we kind of, one that we might be in John, one that might be Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or just Mark and Luke, but we're just walking through Jesus' uh, life in chronological order. So come be a part of that. You can jump in at any time. But we also have our podcast you can subscribe to, uh, One Cause Church. We actually have two podcasts. One is under my name, Pastor Eric Holler, and the other one is called Additional Resources. And those things are on there for you to take into your daily life and to uh, listen to and be encouraged by, okay? I also want to say thank you to our live stream uh, friends. Thank you for, for being a part of our service today, and we pray that the Lord would bless you abundantly. And also, all of you who are our podcast subscribers, we thank God for you. And drop us a line sometime. Let us know what's going on in your life and uh, if, the, if the message here is helping you. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.